The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, October 9, 2018, and this is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Coming up on today's show, Buzz Burbank from the Buzz Burbank News and Comment Podcast is here today. Nikki Haley has resigned suddenly, which means Kanye West is going to be the next uh, ambassador to the UN. No, I'm kidding. It means she plans to spend more time with her sense of morality and decency as opposed to the last two years. And uh, let's see, Boozy Bart was confirmed over the weekend. We'll dig into this particular damage taking place. We also have a big guest announcement today, as promised on last week's After Party. So stand by for action. And the midterms are just days away, and now you can remind yourself to vote every time you wash by picking up Bubble Genius's Vote Soap. It's a five-ounce bar of sweet-smelling soap, artistically carved in the shape of the word vote, with a third of the proceeds going to resistance candidates across the country, and we need every cent. Only $7 from Bubble Genius, but use our promo code BOBC for 15% off your entire order, only from BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Attack! Oh boy, oh boy! Oh boy, oh boy! There we go! Yeah, Hong Kong! Hong Kong goes the truck! Hong Kong goes the truck! Honk honk goes the truck. Did you guys see? Honk honk goes the truck. The truck goes honk honk. Did you see that? Did you see it? Unbelievable. Did you see the truck? Did you see the truck go on? It went honk and it moved so big. Unbelievable. It's so crazy. And you see how it moved? Big trucks, big wheel. And the big wheels go around. And then when you pull on the horn, the horn goes crazy. And the truck's so unbelievable because it's a tremendous truck. I wish we had a bigger truck. Wouldn't it be great if a big truck came? Like a big truck, big 18-wheeler truck, and it rolled down, and then the guy showed up, and he was a macho guy, and he says to me, you drive the truck, and then I get to drive the truck, and I get to go all the way down, and I drive it right into the river, and then I drown in the river, and I feel the water seeping over me, and then the air leaves my lungs, and in the moment where my body starts to react and wants air, I let go. And when I let go, the water fills my lungs, and I'm finally at peace. And only then do I find the complete and absolute solitude that I've wanted. Anyway, I want to go home, Bridget. I'm tired of this. Bob Seska! I don't know what we're yelling about! The Bob Seska Show! I love that so much. It is the Trump crisis day, 628, 27 days until the 2018 midterms. 27 days. Wow. 27. That's all. It's going to be over like that. I'm 
trying to snap my fingers and I've never been able to accurately snap my fingers very well. So, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to, there, Buzz has, Buzz has got the snapping down. Uh, hey, look at snapping his fingers. It's TV's Buzz Burbank. Hi, Buzz. <laughs> Hi, Bob. Oh, man. I, you know, before we start, before we do anything else, uh, I, I want to apologize on behalf of the nation. Uh, <laughs> okay. And, and uh, just want, I want everybody to know you were proven innocent. <laughs> That's right. I hope so. God damn it. I you apologize know, a, on behalf of the nation for Trump and Kavanaugh. That's right, because it's all about it's all about Kavanaugh, isn't it? It's all about the men. <laughs> it is. It, well, it is, and it is all about Kavanaugh. We could talk about that, and I know you have uh, big things today. The the announcement. I know you have a big tape you want to oh, play. Oh yeah. I just I I've been eager, I guess, to share uh, my anxiety. Uh, this may be a week <laughs> that you have to talk me off the ledge, because I found, and I don't know if you experienced or anyone else experienced this or not, but when Kavanaugh was confirmed, and you know we could see it coming. It was a slow and painful death that we endured <laughs> yeah. over those few days. And when it when it finally happened, I I I wanted to curl up into the fetal position the way mm-hmm. I did uh, on November 9th and tenth yeah. of yeah. of twenty sixteen. And uh, you know, I I just I hadn't felt that defeated or hopeless since then. And yeah. it's been a struggle ever since with other developments in the news and and what this has, the Kavanaugh thing has left us with that have uh, not eased my anxiety. In mm-hmm. fact, in, in some ways it's it's increased. So yeah. uh, I'm hoping that as we go through the stuff that we're going to go through that you can talk me down from some of this because this week it's my turn to be talked off the ledge. I, yeah. I do that. I coach a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, and I say, hang in there and, uh, you know, no, now's not the time to quit. Now's yeah. the time to fight harder. Yeah. I'm having a little trouble myself this week, so I'm turning to everybody else for, for help on that. Well, we're going to give it a shot because, you know, the, the thing that was dominating about that entire affair from uh, Susan Collins' right. speech to the procedural vote to the vote on Saturday and so on right. and on through the weekend, it's the injustice of it all. That's what we've been enduring with the Trump crisis since day one just this ongoing sense of a lack of justice in this country a lack of fairness and it's not the kind of fairness that donald trump is always whining about everything's so unfair it's unfair for the boys it's a bad time bad very bad for the boys we're gonna dig into all of that in, in, yeah. in just a second, and as part of that, I am gonna try to talk you off the ledge. I, I would, uh, good, good. I, 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 I because I, I'm actually I'm I'm sort of past that, and maybe we are are past that point where we have recognized and acknowledged that things are unfair. Yeah, and and some of that I now realize uh, some of that unfairness is endemic to our form of government. Yeah, <laughs> that it's actually worked against us over the decades, and uh, the Republicans have done a better job of playing it than we have and between those two things uh, I, I feel we're kind of screwed I'm looking at a, a planet on which we have uh, I'm get, now given to understand uh, 10 years to take uh, the kind of uh, some kind of drastic action to avert catastrophe inevitable catastrophes around the world and and so the, the planet is is we've got 10 years to do something about that the planet will be around a little longer but we've got 10 years uh, to try to maintain some semblance of what life has been like on this planet oh yeah so at, at, 
At the same time, the nation is as divided as it has been uh, since the Civil War. Yeah, it has. And so things are, I, I, I see a, the weather looks dark to me today. It does. And I, I think that is, though, uh, temporary. I think there's still a real shot here. I was, uh, in fact, I was, I got some practice talking you off the ledge last night because I was talking Kimberly <laughs> off the ledge as oh, well. Good. Last night. Good, because, good. And, and she was, you know, she, she was the crack of doom like she, she sometimes gets to be. And that's her own nickname. <laughs> for herself by the way that's not something i made up for her. here's the big tell this is when things are, have gone from just a lot of screeching and uh-huh. executive orders and things like that to right. really being full-on for, for trump to go full fascist he needs to start arresting when you start hearing that dissidents are being arrested that members right. of the intelligence community are being summarily arrested and detained maybe some of them just disappeared oh where did that guy go oh we have no idea is comey gone where's Comey. When things like that start occurring, that's when we've gone 100% into that autocracy, authoritarian, totalitarianism mode, where it's that is when it gets to be like Vladimir Putin. And we're not quite there yet. There is still a chance to pull up before we hit the ground. And, but we are in, right. in a lot of ways careening toward the ground. And and one thing I want to talk about with uh, Tom Nichols this week, Tom Nichols is going to be our guest on the, the Wednesday interview show. And in fact, he just wrote a piece for The Atlantic in which he uh, finally stepped away from the Republican Party and has uh, has changed his affiliation and in, ter- in fact has admitted to a lot of things that he's much more liberal about than even I was aware of, <laughs> being someone who's you know sort of e friends with tom and and been that way for many years but i mean the the fact is is that uh you know there are many things that can be done to ease our pain at this point but the one thing that i can't get past and this is maybe something that i can't necessarily wrap my head around and i need to be talked off a ledge about this too is the is just the, the sheer stupidity i mean i just ranted last night in fact which we normally do in the evening when we've got msnbc <laughs> on and we just take turns ranting in the house and i was ranting about how stupid people are <laughs> it's just it was, it was yeah. one of those moods yeah. where i was reaching a low ebb in terms of my uh cynicism and my opinion of my fellow americans where we're just sometimes i just wonder and sometimes with the left in particular i wrote a piece on friday about joe manchin and and how uh the left is rejecting joe manchin and saying oh we should just vote for the republican and i'm going whoa yes some some are and i just go well gee did we not learn anything in 2016 about purity tests uh we should have but some of us haven't and of course there are many many more stupid people on the red hat side of the ledger yeah. so and and i've i've talked to some of them i and and it's it's hurtful because it's somebody in this case who you know is essentially on the same side as yeah. you you know they certainly uh, detest what they see in trump and fear that authoritarianism although i'm more worried i think at this point about civil war than i am authoritarianism yeah. both being currently threats oddly enough isn't that fun we, that we didn't have either of those a couple of years ago yeah but now we're, we're facing uh i i really mean it I, and i don't know if i mean with guns or not but you haven't seen this kind of division and this is not just me a lot of people are uh, historians are, are able to point specifically uh to uh, 
the, the similarities between the divisions now and the divisions before the Civil War. The threat of that, to me, on some level at least, seems very real, And uh, you know, as, as is the threat of authoritarianism. Who would have thought we would have been facing both of those things, yeah, I know. Uh, certainly uh, just a couple of years ago? Well, remind me to get into the Civil War thing after uh, a few announcements here at the top of the show, because okay. I would like to sure. talk about that. Because I, I'm, I'm all- sorry. I, I've been eager to jump into <laughs> No, this. no, no. That's perfectly fine. There's no problem with that. I just, I am not nearly as concerned about civil war as many people are, including yourself. And, and so I will definitely talk you off the ledge when it comes to an actual civil war in the United States. So we'll, we'll okay. get into that uh, in just a minute. But I, I have a big announcement. And in fact, I teased yes. this. It was so terrible of me at the end of the after party on Friday. I was like, oh, I've got a bit, I got a big announcement. Wait, and the, the music had started already playing uh, <laughs> to end the show. And I was, Kimberly and I were wrapping it up and it was getting late in the day. I mean, the Kavanaugh shit had pushed us back right, way late. Right, I just right. got to get this show out. But oh, wait, I haven't announced. Stop the presses. I have an announcement. And then I said, uh, yeah, just wait until Tuesday to do it. <laughs> and now and now I've helped you <laughs> extend the suspense even further. Right. And it's just everyone <laughs> listening to the after party at that point just did it. God damn it. Yeah. And in fact, speaking of that sound effect, the big announcement yes. is indeed that on October yes. 22nd, which will be a special Monday interview show rather than Wednesday of that week, we have booked and confirmed the great Tony Atamanik from The President Show, who plays oh, man. the greatest version of President Trump on television, the, the smartest, the most accurate, the most intelligent, and in fact, the funniest goddamn version of Trump that exists today. One of the things yeah. I want to talk with him about is that Hong Kong goes the truck thing that we played <laughs> at the top of the show. I want to know how impromptu that was, because I get the sense, and I don't know if you agree with me, Buzz, you're a student of improv as much as I am, Uh you know that that guy probably improvised that whole thing. It just sounds like he did. He knew essentially what he was going to say, and then yeah. he just felt it. You know, he just <laughs> right. went with the flow. Yeah, yeah right. clearly well, he did. And I, yeah, I appreciate that in much the same way I appreciate Larry David's show. Oh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I think the, the truck was not scheduled to roll down that street when he was sitting there, but it, it happened <laughs> to at the time. This is just my yeah. guess, so we'll have to confirm with, with Tony when he's on the show on uh, Monday the 22nd. And that happens to be the same day as his I'm special sure. will air. The new President Show special will air that night on Comedy Central. So we're going to get Tony Atamanik on the same day that his new special airs on Comedy Central. It's a, it's a President Show documentary about the fall of the <laughs> Trump administration. So I'm eager, to, I'm eager to see how it turns out. I just can't wait. <laughs> I mean, this is something I have been trying for probably a year and a half to get Tony Atamanik on this show well congratulations this is exciting yeah. and really that is i'm sure that was impromptu uh, the truck rolling down the street mm-hmm. uh and and it goes back i can think of a couple of examples uh, you go back to the old wc fields movies and there yeah. were things that would happen a, a train horn would sound <laughs> in the background or yeah. and he would play with it he would roll with it as if it were part of the story mm-hmm. and 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 clearly i think that's what tamanik was doing here and uh, and that's a sign of true comedic genius so yeah. you can you can compare him to fields when you speak to him right and that that of course was his very first show that was the pilot episode of the president show and he went on to do so many more great segments and and so many more pieces of satire on that show in terms of pre-filmed 
uh, bits. Right, I mean, he did right. this one thing where he goes in and meets with uh, kids at a preschool center and, <laughs> and is demonstrating for them using blocks in terms of how he paid off the Teamsters and things like that. <laughs> how, he, you know, how he greased politicians. He's explaining all this to the kids. And then he doesn't want to leave. He's doing the hippity hoppity thing. And then he doesn't want to leave. And Pence has to drag him out kicking and screaming. So that's one of the great ones. And then there was... Uh, then there was, oh, my God, this one that they ran on the Christmas special uh, almost a year ago was a uh, it wasn't necessarily a straight up parody of It's a Wonderful Life. It was just the title was It's a Tremendous right. Life. Uh-huh. And it uh-huh. was Donald Trump. And this is so appropriate with the new New York Times piece about Fred Trump and all of the tax fraud that Trump was yeah. engaged in. This was a, a a view of Trump if he had never received Fred Trump's wealth, and <laughs> oh and my. seeing Donald Trump as just this tracksuit wearing bungling street hustler was so entertaining and so smart and so many really genuinely insightful things in there. You That's have really to creative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to find that clip and watch it before uh, before you listen to Tony Atamanek's interview on the 22nd on this show on on our interview show. And again, that's a special Monday show. But coming up this Wednesday, well, we got we got Tom Nichols, uh, author uh-huh. of The Death of Expertise. So it's going to be a discussion with Tom. Tom being our first. Uh, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call him. I would say he's a moderate conservative. Uh-huh. Uh, Good. But, but there are he, many of those left. Yeah, and as I said, he's rejected the Republican Party, wrote a big uh, piece in The Atlantic about it. So, But what, mainly what we're going to talk about is, in fact, the topic of his book, which is the death of expertise and the lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. the diseducation, as I've been calling it, of, yeah. of the American public for all these years and where well, that has left us. Y- yeah, and on that subject, because you'd mentioned this before when you were ranting last night about how stupid people are. <laughs> Uh, This is exactly what he's talking about here. And what I would add to that discussion, if I may, is that there is a pride in that ignorance. There is there's a brotherhood and a pride of not being an intellectual uh, Mm -hmm. in in that Trump base. And that is uh, even more frightening to me than the lack of education itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it really is. And that is I mean, it's this is that unrepentant uh, a-hole attitude that we see from so many Trumpers now. And of course, it's been on full display when it comes to this Brett Kavanaugh madness. And uh, just to to recap where we were uh, last week, of course, Kavanaugh, as everyone knows, was confirmed over the weekend. Here's one of the things that irritated me the most about all of this and it goes right down to susan collins who is now part of the slow motion suicide of the republican party i honest to god believe that the republican party is committing suicide there is indeed along these lines a silver lining to the fact that brett kavanaugh was in fact confirmed which is a terrible terrible and, and tragic event in american history but there can be some positive repercussions from this. Of course, as we all know, Trump always makes things worse for Trump. So the fact that he's pushed this through, we can assume, based on past history, that this is going to negatively impact Trump in some way. Just the fact that he's done. like The, the fact that he's landed on Brett Kavanaugh in the first place as a, 
as a nominee for the Supreme Court out of a, a list of other people who were probably along the lines of Neil Gorsuch in terms of keeping their noses clean throughout their uh, careers. Brett Kavanaugh is this scumbag who Donald Trump said, well, he's going to give he's going to be my get out of jail free card. So I'm going to go with him. But so this right. is going to turn out to be a gigantic disaster. And the key here is to not listen to the alleged common wisdom inside the D.C. media, which is saying that what this is going to do now and we've all seen the hot takes. What this is going to do now, it's going to energize the Republicans. It's going to unify the Republicans, and they're going to go into the uh, the midterms with all of this uh, fire and, and brimstone, and they're ready to pummel the Democrats electorally. I, from the moment I first heard that, and, and I'm glad, I, I want to hear more and why you feel that way, because from the moment that I heard that for the first time, yeah. and it's been several days now, uh, when I heard that uh, this was going to energize Republican voters, I became concerned. I've since read some other stuff that that has me now beginning to more believe that it will motivate. I don't know if it'll motivate them to the degree, uh, or or if they will uh, have stamina with that motivation for the next three and a half to four weeks. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I I've read some things that support an increase in uh, support from uh, Republicans in, yeah. in terms of their intentions to vote. So yeah, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about this week was uh, how real do you think that is? I I think it's completely unrealistic to think that this is going. To to motivate more Republicans to vote. They may get a bump of half a percentage point out of this because uh -huh, what, uh -huh. what typically happens in these elections, Buzz, is the side that turns up on the winner side of the ledger is the side typically that has something to fight for. And in this case, the Republicans, they, they've given up their fight. They had their fight. Kavanaugh's they been won, confirmed. They won their fight, right? They, they, got their, they, they got their guy. So they should be somewhat sated by that, I would think. That was, yeah. And that was certainly one of my, one of my thoughts. Uh, but they're, they are offended, and I, I, I hearing them, I'm still hearing them talk about it. They are offended by the, the Kavanaugh confirmation process yeah. as much as we are. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference in this election is in, in 2016, the Republicans felt like they, they were victims, that they had been ignored, that they weren't being heard, and they were angry, and they wanted revenge. Uh, this year they still do, but now so do Democrats feel yeah. that way. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, a real, it's a real Donnybrook situation. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I do worry about it. I do think it'll, it'll goose. I agree with you. I think then we may be in agreement on that, that it will boost uh, Republican participation some, but not as much. I, 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 we are the most freshly offended party at this point. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think there's going to be, and we've had this momentum already. This just gooses it and as i've said before every dumb thing or mean or cruel or heartless thing that trump does uh just gooses uh, democratic support even more yeah and of course you know you look at past precedent as far as uh midterms go 2010 uh the republicans had to fight against obamacare that was the rallying cry uh, of the republicans that's what turned them out they thought this uh this legislation was oppressive and you know we remember all the complaints but they had something to fight for there and in fact they ended up uh coming out on top. The Democrats were slow walking oh, Obamacare, and they were skeptical about what Barack Obama was going to do as president. Incorrectly, as far as I'm concerned, but there there was that concern anyway. Um, but then you go back to, let's say, an election like 2002, that midterm election, George W. Bush's first midterm election. 
the Bush White House, I mean, from their perspective, they smartly gave their people something to fight for in that election, which was, of course, the, the war on terrorism and the lead yeah. up to the Iraq war. And so yeah, the Republicans turned also, out for that. Yeah, it was also, I think, based on his handling, at least his perceived handling, of 9-11 once it happened. Yeah. The fact that he stood there in the rubble and, you know, uh, he was a very uniting president suddenly. And, and support for him uh, grew immensely at that at the point. 9-11 really uh, had an effect on that uh, 2002 mm. midterm that... Uh, you just don't see in other midterms. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so uh, turnout-based that enthusiasm right. is so important. And the enthusiasm was there for the Bush administration and for the Republicans because they were saying, you vote for uh, more Republicans, and we're going to be able to go after the terrorists this time in Iraq. And that right, was the big right. deal. And if, you, and, if and, you, and if you're against us, you're with the terrorists. You're right. with Saddam Hussein, right. and you're with bin right. Laden. That was and the a message. lot of Democrats, a lot of Democrats felt that they would be. They felt that a lot of Democrats yeah. felt they needed to support the president, uh, even if they hadn't liked him up to that point, and would even even though they would not soon like him again. But uh, and 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 as you've written about extensively, and I think of this all the time, uh, you, because I'm reminded of it in the Trump administration, they used fear yeah. uh, to to motivate uh, right. voters, and that was part of it too. But part of it was we were in a weird place after 9/11. We were in a united uh, kind of place. After <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a unity yeah. changey plays, right? Right, exactly. Uh, and, and you know, the, the other thing was uh, in 2006, that midterms, that was, a, of course, a gigantic one for the Democrats. And of course, mm -hmm. the Democrats at that point in time had not only a rallying cry, which was the uh, quote unquote culture of corruption among the Republican Party, it was a laundry list of that Republicans. Whole thing were, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was also a fight against the Bush administration, it was a fight against mm -hmm. the Iraq war, which at that point mm -hmm. in time was going very, very badly. And uh, there was the collapse of the Bush administration, which started right around Hurricane Katrina. And then yeah. Dick, Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face. And it was just this <laughs> ongoing cascading failure that was happening inside the Bush White House. And so everyone latched onto that. And that's one of the reasons why that midterms turned out so well for the Democrats. And here's an interesting compare and contrast. And this is all along the lines of suiting your, your purpose for your purposes, buzz talking you off the ledge. As far as the midterms between 2006 and today are concerned, here's a, st a statistic that we saw today through, I think Ari Melber shared this uh, from MSNBC. 58% of women will vote for Democrats in this midterm. 58% of all registered women voters. That's not 58% right. of Democrats. That's 58% of all women who intend to vote in this upcoming election. That is enormous. As we all know, if men were the only ones who voted, the Republican Party would be the left-wing party in this country. If uh, if women all were the only ones who voted, we would just be much better off. So 58%, and that you, you can't sneeze at that number. That is a huge number. Only 33% intend to vote for Republicans in the midterms. Now, we compare and contrast that with 2006, another year in which the Democrats gained huge numbers in the House and, and in fact, ended up tying up the Senate. Uh, the percentage of women who voted in 2006, mm -hmm. 55%. Three percentage points lower than who intend to vote for Democrats in this coming up election. So right. if this all bears out, 
the way we hope it will. And without, you know, with minimal amounts of shenanigans like voter suppression, voter purges, voter ID, gerrymandering. Those are givens. Those are givens (laughs) that Democrats have learned to live with. Right, right. But there was was also gerrymandering in 2006. There was also Mm -hmm, voter suppression in 2006. I mean, this has been an ongoing problem for two decades at least. But suffice to say... We've got more but, women who want to vote for Democrats this year than did in 2006, sure. which is the Absolutely. litmus test, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I'm very clear on that. I, uh, but uh, my concern is, uh, you know, I, first of all, with only one in four young, uh, younger voters voting, uh, of those uh, between the ages of 18 and uh, 29, uh, like 26% of them say they will definitely be voting yeah. on November 6th. Right. Uh, that's that's pathetic. For, for people over the age of 65 it's 82 mm-hmm. percent you want to know you want to know why Orrin Hatch looks like your and thinks like your grandpa <laughs> uh, you know do, do you want to know why the, the planet is uh, doomed because uh, those folks don't care yeah. and they, they they do not represent you and and it uh, you know I just I wish there were some way uh, uh, Taylor Swift certainly did help I think uh, to, yeah. to some degree but I wish there were some way to to, to get more young people involved because that young vote is necessary for Democrats to do what they need to do. Even with the good news you're sharing here, uh, it's still, it's a little sketchy. It's back to being sketchy about whether Democrats can nab the Senate. And without the Senate, you cannot remove Trump from office, uh, nor can you pass any significant legislation to undo any of the damage that he's done. Mm -hmm. So even if we win the House, I mean, that'll be great because we can just obstruct and investigate the hell out of him, uh, which is good. We can sort of paralyze paralyze the administration. That's a good thing. It's a good start. But we we can make no forward progress uh, if we don't also win the Senate. And we we were starting to get a slight edge, had a real shot, and now it's kind of back to the sketchy chances that it was before. Yeah, well, this is a a situation where we're just stopping the bleeding. And that's that's right. the way it needs to be, and and we can't. It's the best really, we can hope for. We the best we can hope for, <laughs> but but look, I mean, that's actually damning it by faint praise because the fact of the matter is that going into a January, uh, uh, whatever next year is, twenty nineteen. I was forgetting. <laughs> Right. Here it is next year, 2019. Going into uh, 2019, that means subpoena power. That means hearings. That means investigations right. on the House oh, side, yeah. at oh, least. And, yeah, obstruct and investigate. That's what the Democrats yep. will be able to do. And and I do think, I, I, I think they will be compelled to uh, begin impeachment proceedings against Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, half the people who get impeached don't get removed from office. And without a majority in the Senate, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Cross, but without a majority in the Senate, uh, you know we're not going to be able to remove him from office. Yeah. Uh, we can we can impeach him. Certainly, we can impeach uh, Trump, but we can't remove him from office. But we can uh, keep the White House pretty busy between the investigations and uh, the impeachments and uh, just general obstruction of whatever it is he wants to do. Yeah, and you know what? If we win the Senate too, that means all kinds of good things. That means oh, we, that means sure, we, it's like we Christmas, of course and we can dictate uh, who uh, Trump nominates next for the Supreme Court or for me yeah for me that would be the cure right for the injury that I endured on November 9th uh, of you know, 2016 and that means voting for Phil Bredesen in Tennessee that means voting <laughs> for Joe Manchin in uh-huh. West Virginia that especially means voting for Heidi Heitkamp that means voting for 
Democrats, what's the saying? What's the hashtag? Vote blue no matter who. That's the way we win the Senate. And it's got to be in overwhelming numbers. And, you know, you were mentioning young people. Here's a little bit of information that could turn you around on the uh, prospects of young people turning out. David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez and their organization is planning a uh, school walkout for Election Day. And the purpose of the walkout is to parade everyone down to their polling place, to their local precinct, to vote on the midterm election day. And so that's going to be some good news as far as Provided the uh, young people. They're, pro- yeah, absolutely. And I know they've had an impact, and it's obviously greatly appreciated. Uh, I, you know, first of all, we have to get them registered. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean... Uh, People listening to us, if you know a young voter, in fact, excuse me, anyone, I don't know what's happened there, anyone under the age of 30... But I have to have that looked at. Uh, anyone, anyone, anyone under the age of thirty, if you know, if you know of somebody and you're not sure they're going to vote, uh-huh. uh, talk to them about uh, you know things like the end of the planet and, mm-hmm. and whatever. But get them to the polls, get them registered, and now's the time to make sure while there's still some time before the election to get registered. Make sure you yourself have not been somehow removed yeah. from the voter rolls. Don't just assume you're registered. Check on it. But mm-hmm. uh, every single vote is going to make a difference in uh, the most divisive or the most divided election since just before the Civil War. Yeah. I promise I'm going to get back into Susan Collins here in a second, too. But I did want to mention, on top of all this other stuff, and I seem to be a good newsman today, uh, the the latest poll shows is a CNN poll. 54% of likely voters say they support the Democrat in their district, while 41% back the Republican in a generic ballot. 62% of Democrats say they're enthusiastic to vote, while only 52% of Republicans are excited to vote. That is the gap. That 10% gap uh, in terms of enthusiasm is everything. That's everything going to this it election. It, it is huge. Yeah. And like I said, I, even if there is a goosing of uh, Republican enthusiasm uh, by this, uh, how outraged they are about how Kavanaugh was treated, mm-hmm. that poor, poor man. Uh, <laughs> even I, I, I think some of that will fade uh, over the next three and a half weeks. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, so I, I don't know that they're going to be able to, to keep that up. Uh, maybe they will. I'm hearing a lot of determination. I'm reading quotes and hearing comments from Trump voters about what they plan to do and why and how motivated they are. And so it was concerning to me. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I never thought it would uh, match uh, the, 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 the so-called blue wave, which I now realize is about a quarter of the American public. Uh, but but at best on a good day, uh, but uh, you know so it, yeah it's I was very concerned about that. I I guess I'm feeling somewhat better. And the numbers that you just cited on uh, you know the determination to vote Democratic, the 54 percent for example, I also recognize the number could actually be higher than that mm-hmm. because again I hear all these polls saying likely voters, and I think every time each pollster needs to define what they consider a likely voter. Yeah. If it's based on past uh, midterm voting, uh, we're they're going to miss a lot of people and the numbers are higher than they're saying, yeah. just as we've discussed on a previous show. Well, it's interesting if you look at some of the exit polls from 2006 versus today uh, and knowing how things went in 2006 regarding the uh, results of the election where Democrats basically swept the entire goddamn thing. Uh, right. You have, for example, here 69% of Latino voters going with Democrats. Mm-hmm. That number is going to be much higher 
this year. Wow. Uh, wow. Because I remember not so very long ago when Latino voters leaned Republican. Yeah. This is a this is a huge shift. Well, this is this is actually from 2006. 69% were in 2006 voting for Democrats uh, among Latino voters. It's going to be much higher this year. That means it's oh, going to be, sure. we're talking about at least 80% because you have to throw into the mix uh, an entire population of Puerto Rican Americans who mm-hmm. are furious. It was, and rightfully so, in terms of what happened in Puerto Rico and, oh, and how the, the list goes on and on. That. You yeah. got the wall, you got the Mexican judge, yeah. you've got the rapist comment. I mean, how much more could Trump have done to alienate the, mm. the Latin community? Yeah. I just, I don't see how. Right, right. So, I mean, there are a lot of crosstabs that you can look at as far as how this election could actually surmount uh, 2006 uh-huh. as being a Democratic yeah. wave. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed as far as that goes. So another bit of good news here. There was a piece in the Daily Beast last night, uh, before we go to break here. The uh, researchers have determined that there is not any evidence at this point that uh-huh. Russia is messing with 2018, where it may be. And I kind of, it's funny, uh-huh. this came out at about 8 p.m. last night. At about 3 p.m. yesterday afternoon, I wrote a banter piece about Russia's impact on the midterms, and one of the options is Russia sits this one out. Russia goes, hey, you know what? If we're interested in uh, scrambling people's faith in the American electoral process and American (laughs) democracy— We've already done it, haven't we? I mean, right, ha- isn't yeah. it already baked into yeah. the system yeah. now? Yeah, they and we are seeing the momentum of yeah. what they exacerbated in 2016, and it has led us to this divisive uh, point in history. Yeah, and in fact, uh, well, let's see. For example, there the hacks have been minimal. In fact, the only times we've been hearing uh-huh. about anyone getting hacked... It's have an been, autopilot. Yeah, well, they've been on, in, on cases where the hacking was thwarted, where they the uh-huh. hackers were caught and people were able right. to stop before actually clicking on one of those spear phishing yeah. scams and things like yeah. that. We're so, better now. Yeah, I, I and I think um, it's possible that they may not engage in any sort of hacking of the voting results on the day, uh, even though they are wandering around in there. It is... I- it is possible. Your original theory. I like your original theory that they they feel they have accomplished what they needed to do. Yeah. They've wound, they, it's a wind up toy and it's still going, so there's no need to pick it up and wind it again. Uh, I, th- I think that's what the, the, the Russians are seeing. That's right. And, and so the very threat of Russian hacking might be enough to make some of us stay home. Maybe that's what Putin is thinking about at this point. Well, you know, they think it's going to happen, so why don't we let them continue to think it's going to happen rather than uh, risking getting caught this? time or whatever getting uh, uh, thwarted in our efforts which may mean more sanctions which they right. haven't quite been able to get lifted yet in terms of the the pre-trump sanctions uh the post-trump sanctions or the during trump sanctions well that's a whole other gray area because of of course donald trump and right. uh and of course his fealty to, to vladimir putin so you know that's i think that's where we are at this point as china far as, yeah if we're, china <laughs> right, no he says china. that's what no china he just said what yesterday i think uh, that uh, the it's not this year. It's China interfering it, in the midterm election. Right, sure, okay. Or it's going to be that four hundred pound guy in his bedroom. That's it. China. China. One of the things. One of the China. Things. Yeah, right. China. Okay, that's it. 
All right. Well, so we're going to talk about Susan Collins here in a second, and and the speech that she gave on the floor of the uh, of the Senate the other day. There's a couple of observations I have about that. Plus, we're going to get into the president's little skit last night. His little, you know, separation of powers skit is, is what I'm calling it. Proven and, innocent. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about that. Plus, uh, Nikki Haley and a lot more. But first. Uh, you know, I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, Buzz. I don't know if it was with you on the show or not, but and, and I don't know where you are on this, and I'm not I, I'm not necessarily asking, but I have used my Harry's razor not just to shave my face, but uh-huh. I've got great results with my Harry's razor shaving other pl- parts of my body, namely. This is what I was saying. This is no. <laughs> yeah. it's actually, I you were shy at first. I sort yeah. of brought it up, and you just you went right by it. But this week, you're just out with it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I let's let's be a little specific here in terms of what I'm using. My I'm I'm not doing any, shall we call it, scaping. There is no yeah, scaping right. going on with my Harry's razor yet. Okay. I will put All that right. caveat in there yet. Uh-huh. It's my back, Buzz. It's my upper back, the part I can reach, you know, reach over if I, right, right. you know, sort of dislocate my shoulder a little bit. I can reach down there and, and shave, like basically at the base of my neck, where my where my neck it hits is. my back. I, uh, able to uh, shave that area with my Harry's razor, and uh, I, I wish I didn't have to, but thank God there's my Harry's razor that I can actually do that. Not only shave my face, but also shave my back and still get the same clean, close shave that Harry's has always offered. I can I can multitask my Harry's razor. Uh, and of course, as you all know, I'm a longtime Harry's fan, and I love this. It's a, a super comfortable razor in my hand and on my face. It's the closest shave imaginable, regardless of where it is. And you know, the entree here is... What I'm saying is I'm not just complaining about my <coughs> back hair, but I'm saying uh-huh. that, you, you know, you women listening in and you think, oh, Harry's razor, that's for guys, but it's not. You can use it for your armpits. You can use it for your legs. You can use it for body hair. That's just the way it goes. Uh, it's perfect for all that. And the guys, by the way, who founded Harry's, maybe they weren't thinking about uh, body hair, but they were fed up with high razor prices and silly with silly and unnecessary features. And they knew it come down, comes down to great blades made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. And by selling direct to you on the Internet, they can offer a much lower price than the leading brand, more than 50% lower. And Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days, and they'll give you a full refund. And right now, you can get a trial gift set valued at 13 bucks as part of a special offer to my listeners. It includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. That's Harry's weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strip, the trimmer blade that I love so much, gets those little detail, hard-to-reach areas, and a travel cover. And Harry's rich, lathering, great-smelling shave gel. My listeners can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. Go to harrys.com slash B-O-B-C to redeem your offer to help support the show. And let them know that I sent you. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Okay, let's dig into Susan Collins here. All right. <laughs> let's let's dig into Susan. Susan Collins gave a speech on the floor. It was really uh, just some attention-grabbing business that she had to do, where we were all waiting with bated breath as she took 45 minutes to get to the point, uh, which is what the only thing that we all wanted to hear. But it turned out that what she ended up doing was, uh, I guess, trying to convince Republicans to not vote for Brett Kavanaugh because it was insane. She was painting Brett Kavanaugh 
as supporting Roe v. Wade, <laughs> yeah. as supporting Griswold v. Connecticut, which is, the, of course, the Supreme Court ruling that legalized uh, birth control, and nationally, and uh, that he also supports judicial activism and not strict constructionism. I don't know if you're familiar with these concepts, but a lot right. of conservatives believe in the strict interpretation yes. of the Constitution as written rather than judges uh, interpreting what the founding fathers meant when they wrote certain things and in in religion they're biblical literalists that's exactly <laughs> right but of course she was trying to paint brett kavanaugh as not being a uh, uh you know a strict constructionist which is right, right, you know right. and we can quibble there are different versions of that and i understand course, that and scalia has written about the different kinds of textualism Vegan, and so on yeah, right. yeah yeah but the fact of the matter is is that it's typical of conservatives to adhere more closely to the original language of the constitution rather than the intention that the founding fathers had which you can read right. about in the federalist papers and so on and some of the uh adjoining documentation of that time where you get a sense of what they really what the broader definition of the broader meaning of some of these especially uh, amendments in the bill of rights uh, were actually intended yeah, to be get, so get the annotated version yeah so i mean it's like susan collins trying to convince republicans hey you know what this guy this guy's not your guy <laughs> What the hell is she doing? I mean, you know, are we supposed to sit here and believe? And of course, this is the ultimate point that Brett Kavanaugh is this guy that they're fighting for, that they're dragging this mess, this shoddy, boozy candidate over the finish line. And we're supposed to believe that this guy isn't the pro-life honey child, that this guy isn't the king of all, you know, uh, pro-lifers who's going to try to to uh, decide to overturn Roe and, and everything uh, uh, linked to it, everything that oppresses women. Well, That's it's the it's the usual gibberish, uh, and I'm not talking about her specifically, although I am, but I'm talking mm -hmm. about all all Republicans. It's the usual Republican gibberish, yeah. And and it's water under the bridge at this point. I I I, I sat down to prepare this week's newscast, and and I had obviously a lot of stories about. Uh, the excitement that led up to and through uh, the the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh, yeah, and I ended up throwing all of those away. Uh, I, I'm I'm focusing this week on what this means and where we go from here, yeah, because we're all sick of what happened there. We're all sick about what happened there for one reason or another, and uh, although those things need to be addressed, uh, I just I I'm just so eager to get past. This it's still an issue, obviously, yeah, uh, and and certainly the Democrats are not going to get past Kavanaugh when when they're seated in Congress and able to subpoena and launch investigations. Mm -hmm. But uh, for now, uh, it's just a, how it was done, or who did what, or who said what. Uh, none of that is 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 important to me now, and it, it 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 is as it was now, just gibberish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we do have to move forward from here, but we should never forget, and this is something. Oh. That no. I tweeted quite oh, extensively no, the other day. Not. Never the the anger and resentment and oh, no. and, and oh, hurt. that's still fresh. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's still plenty. Of, and and it's all the more reason I don't want to personally. I don't want to dwell on uh, the details of uh, the you know the things that the the ugly days that led up to that yeah. to that confirmation. I you know I know what was done, and a lot of us know what was done, and it's it's sickening and appalling, and we we don't want to be in that situation again. But uh, that particular case, I'm, I'm ready to stop litigating uh, and just simply remember 
uh, and and uh, seek seek uh, justice for it. There you go. Yeah, just keep that fire burning. All that anger you feel, yeah, keep right. it, keep it burning. Don't don't Absolutely. bury it. Don't don't unburden yourself of it. Just keep it burning through 2020 because we're going to need it. Because now well, is the time. I, I do th- I do think Trump will keep us stoked. I do, yeah. I think he will continue to find ways uh, intentionally and accidentally to uh, piss us off more and more each day between <laughs> of course. now and the election. Of course So that, that wound is going to stay raw. Yeah. Whereas the Democrats, I think, are for now, and if they're smart to a degree, mostly have stopped talking about Kavanaugh and should be back to, uh, even though no one may be listening, should be back to talking about things like health care that uh, we are told is still the number one concern of voters. Well, look, we also have to look at it this way. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 85 years old. Oh, yeah. Stephen yeah. Breyer is 80 years yep. old. Yep. You, you yep. know, meanwhile, uh, Sam Alito is 68. Clarence Thomas is 70. We've got right. four people mm-hmm. age 68 and much. Much older. Okay, good. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is terrible news. It means Trump could have one or two more appointments that were yeah. need to remain in office uh, into 2020. And I want to ask you about that because uh, here's what I've heard about these things. Uh, okay. Well, sure, they can be done. Uh, they're extremely difficult and would probably take a long time. But uh, my question, I think, is wouldn't it be worth it? Here are the things on my wish list. And one of them is add two justices to the Supreme Court court. That's one thing uh, that that could be done to rebalance uh, the court, either two liberals or a liberal and a moderate even, to put us back to the ratio we were before. Uh, a Senate that is elected by population. California has 66 times as many people as Wyoming, but only gets the same number of senators as Wyoming. Oh, too. here now here, I'm going to disagree with you about this one. And, and I, I totally and 100% understand the consternation regarding how on any given any given legislation that's being passed is being passed with the support of 17% of the American people. Yeah, well, here's the problem, though. We have a House of Representatives, and the, and the, the reason why yeah. the, the Senate is based on two senators per state and the House is based on population is, of course, the result of a compromise during the framing of the Constitution. It was referred to the Connecticut, right. Connecticut Compromise, or the Great Compromise. So the compromise was reached to have a bicameral legislation Legislature, which is have uh, uh, yeah. two chambers in the in the Congress, which is the, the Senate, which is based on two per state, and the House, which is based on population. So I'm this familiar. way, the population people get you know something, and then the right. the, the uh, small state people also get something too. So right. so right. that's that's kind of the reasoning behind it. And I guess from there we can decide whether or not that's it, even yeah yeah it doesn't I don't think that makes, I, I don't think it makes any sense because the gap in state size is much wider today yeah. than it was back then. I you know, and I'm seeing a lot of things that that I'm just not sure. You know, I mean, we find ourselves uh, again. I I feel at least as divided as we were before the Civil War, and we find ourselves faced with some real problems yeah. in the framework of our government. Uh, the 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 situation. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, the two justices, uh, the, the Senate uh, disparity in uh, in population representation. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not as simple as I proposed. Maybe there's some other solution for that. Uh, but I would also, you know, very much favor the end of the electoral college each of these things Mm -hmm. the supreme court the the senate as it is currently structured and the existence of the electoral college continue to work against democrats 
in a system that Democrats have failed to exploit as effectively as Republicans. And I believe that if if we as Democrats or liberals or progressives, however you want to f- frame your, right. uh, your your status in the political debate, if we can form a coalition with the never-Trump Republicans, with the more mm-hmm. moderate mm-hmm. wing of the Republican Party, or some of the people that have, like Tom Nichols and Steve Schmidt and Nicole Wallace and some of the others who have left the Republican Party entirely, we can form a coalition with those people and in the process win back a majority of state legislatures to a certain extent where we can start Mm -hmm. to pass some constitutional amendments. We can not only reform the office of the presidency through constitutional amendment, but we can make some of these changes like abolishing the electoral college, which the the election of Donald Trump has completely negated the intention of the electoral college. It is nothing more now than an additional technical step in the process of electing someone. It has nothing to do with uh, what the intention was, which was to prevent people like Donald Trump from rising to the the presidency. The electoral college was supposed to be the right. bulwark against that. You've made it, I'm sorry you made another important point. I want to underscore something you just said. I don't want us to brush by it. And that is that all politics is local. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about uh, those amendments at the state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of people. I know this to be true. I did it when I was a young voter myself. I would go into the the ballot box into the ballot booth and and the voting booth and I would I would cast votes for maybe names I recognize, and certainly uh, the big races like president, whatever. When it got down to the smaller races, I didn't pay any attention. Yeah. Well, now I know that that's important. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, usually your newspaper publishes some kind of a guide, so you have some idea who's for what, and you, you, you kind of know who to vote for. A lot, of, a lot of the reason that people, a lot of people don't vote is because they don't know who these people are and wouldn't know who to vote for anyway. Uh, it's easy. That's an easy, they have this thing called the internet yeah. and it's very can be very helpful uh, in in finding that out very quickly without without a lot of damn effort on your part mm-hmm. and 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 it's it's very important to do that because and and Bob just illustrated the importance of those uh, city county and statewide races and the effect they have on our national politics yeah. and if so if we could get those red state republicans and our own young people to vote uh, then then we might really have something yeah i mean look at what happens at the state state level uh we read about news stories every damn day where we're talking about trap laws which are these uh, crazy anti-abortion laws where they, they they can't ban abortion so they just make it almost impossible to get one uh that all happens in state legislatures voter id happens in state legislatures gerrymandering happens in state legislatures uh, uh marijuana legalization or right. criminalization right. takes place in state legislatures gay rights legislation a lot gay of rights. started locally yep. yeah absolutely so these are all reasons to vote in state and local elections and and do liberals vote in state and local elections no they not we, usually we do not, not we, usually we tend i think we tend to be a little lazy in that respect but yeah. it's what i'm telling you is kids <clears throat> we have the internet now it's not that hard no and uh, this is just so important i i'm this is my greatest fear is that uh, turnout is going to be as sad as it normally is yeah. on, on in a midterm election and uh, that if that happens we're screwed yeah i know if we that are. happens we are screwed and that's why uh, we got to get everybody out and then some. We have to start pulling people out of their homes and pulling them out of their cars yeah. and making them vote. Yeah, nothing could be more important. This is what we have to do in order to overcome all of these uh, these th- these obstructions between us and voting booths. We right. have to overwhelm the vote. We have to do that. Mm-hmm. We have to duct tape our friends and family members, put them in our cars, and drive them to their polling places and escort them up to the booth and say, vote now. 
And that's the, right. that's the only way we're oh, going to win you know, this thing. And, and I never thought I'd say this. I never imagined myself using these words. But you know what? The system is rigged. Yeah. It has been rigged by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the voter from voter ID laws, voter mm-hmm. suppression, uh, gerrymandering, uh, collusion with Russians. Yeah. Uh, it's like it, you name something they could do, and and you add that to a form of government that has, from the very beginning, favored Republicans over Democrats, mm-hmm. and then you add their learning curve over the years and our lack of a learning curve over the years of this country uh, to, 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 to play that game. Uh, and we're just, it, it, it feels uh, very confining. And I wonder, I wonder, would wonder today if we're at this sort of national crossroads where the nation is ever so divided, yep. maybe it, maybe it's time to start addressing, or maybe we're going to have to address some of these big, bigger questions that I've raised anyway. Yeah. And in fact, speaking of those bigger questions, uh, when we come back from a short break, here. I want to play uh-huh. this monologue by Trevor yes. Trevor Noah of The Daily Show. He delivered perhaps, and I'm not going to say it's it's hands down the greatest, perhaps one of the greatest monologues I've heard in the entire Trump era. This is so smart and so insightful and so dead on. I, I'm finding it difficult to believe that it was actually spontaneous. I, it was something that happened between uh, or during a commercial break as they were recording The Daily Show, and they happened to film it, and they put it up on their Daily Show Twitter feed. And uh, Kimberly played this for me the other night, and my jaw dropped. I could not believe how how insightful it was, how smart it was. Yeah. Um, because part of it is because I've underestimated Trevor Noah for many, many years. And- I think a lot of people have. Yeah. I, I do. I think a lot of people have. And uh, I, you know, he's. He's very he's very good. I mean, he's just I it's he's an easy guy to sit and listen to for a long period of time. Yeah. Well, we'll have that and more dings right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other US businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to our Tuesday show. Buzz Burbank is here from Buzz Burbank News and Comment, BuzzBurbank.com, and RealmNetwork.com. Make sure to go shopping. Please, please do this. Go shopping through our Amazon link. Just go to BobSeska.com and click the all-caps Amazon link just beneath the logo. It'll take you right to the front page of Amazon.com, where you can buy anything your heart desires, literally speaking. And uh, it was like I bought uh, Tom Nichols' book, The Death of Expertise, and I bought another uh, Starship Enterprise for my shelves. 
<laughs> all on the same shopping trip at Amazon you, the other you, day. You, you didn't have all of them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so oh, please do man. that, and it, it, uh, it, it's really appreciated. Thank you. And, of uh, course it is, and as we found out, you and I found out a year ago playing the What Do They Sell on Amazon game, uh, they I, they have sandbags, and yeah. I, I I may need them because I've been oh, texting right. my friends that uh, some of the streets in my town are filling up with water. It hasn't rained a drop. It's mm. from the ocean. Yeah, oh, really? it's from the ocean. Our, we have ocean water in our streets. Oh my god! Uh, this is a storm surge yeah. from uh, the passing Hurricane Michael. Hurricane Michael, born, born on the same date as myself with the same real first name, <laughs> there you and go. Uh, it's it's coming by, and uh, yeah, so. So we, our streets are now filling up with water, even though the, 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 there's not been a drop of rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get some rain later, so that'll that'll help, I'm sure. But yeah. uh, we, you know, we're hoping it'll wash away the red tide. It's kind of <laughs> like the old, it's kind of like the old Johnny Carson uh, joke. The good news is the mudslides are putting out the fires. <laughs> That's right. So uh, the good news here is the hurricane is maybe washing away the red tide. The big question is, Buzz, is this mm-hmm. hurricane tremendously big and tremendously wet? It's tremendously big and tremendously wet. Yeah, of course it is. All I'm saying, it's named Hurricane Michael, and the message here is don't piss me off. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, it looks like Nikki Haley has suddenly resigned. I think this is Kavanaugh-related. Yeah. It's uh, unusual for someone of that status to resign mm-hmm. before a midterm election. Yeah, uh, and who knows? I mean, they were they were heaping praise on each other yeah. uh, in in the White House uh, acceptance of her resignation today. Right, and she said she has no plans to run in twenty twenty. I think she does have plans to run in twenty twenty. My hunch is that she's getting ready. She's putting together an exploratory committee next, uh, probably, and I think she's going to primary challenge Donald Trump. I think this is actually I, you a know, thing. I, I, I hear that. I don't know. You know, I have no idea. My gut says probably not because. I I think she is a tremendous uh, Trump supporter. She says she'll be campaigning for him, and uh, so I, you know, right now, I mean, she could do you know et tu brute and yeah. and, and and turnabout on him later. But right now, she's saying she intends to campaign for Trump in twenty twenty. Well, she says that. I mean, she's got to stick it out through the rest of the year. She doesn't leave uh, as UN ambassador yeah. to the end of yeah. the year, so she has to continue <laughs> to play nice with this goddamn baby in the Oval Office. So yeah, she could play nice now and then pretend to leave in anger at the end. That's right. Absolutely. And I think she sees an opening. I think she sees Republican women needing somewhere to go with their vote. And I think they're concerned about Mm. uh, Donald Trump. I think they're concerned about voting for him. And so maybe they'll uh, uh, vote for someone like Nikki Haley. And I still go back to my original thesis that I proposed maybe a year ago, which is that I don't know that Donald Trump is going to win the renomination of his party. It's very likely that... uh, that that might yeah. not happen. Uh, oh yeah, you know, I, it's occurred to me a few times that the Republicans in Congress might go et tu brute on Trump. Yeah, uh, you know that that uh, the, they might be perfectly willing to throw him in as a sacrifice. And I think they'll be much more subtle than just announcing it. I think what they'll but do they is they'll ever, privately do it. Yeah, they are ever ever so grateful uh, to him because I think Mitch McConnell. I think Trump and McConnell have learned a, a sort of a mutual respect for each other, and I get it. Yeah. Uh, I think McConnell stands in amazement at uh, Trump's uh, – it, it seems like he's doing totally the wrong thing, yeah. and it plays – 
and it ends up playing perfectly into McConnell's hands. Yeah. Trump is an ace marketer. He's not much of anything else, but he's an ace marketer. Yeah. And 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 McConnell was skeptical at first, and uh, Washington, other Republicans say, "Oh gosh, sure, this is not how you do it." Uh, and and that includes McConnell. And then he finds out, well, hey, that that worked pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's this tremendous now admiration for McConnell and uh, other Republicans for Trump for making all of this possible. Yeah. This was the relationship that they dreamed of. And uh, likewise, uh, I think uh, Trump has uh, developed a respect for McConnell's ability and his experience, but his ability to get things done mm-hmm. in, in Congress, and again, better than the Democrats. Well, here's McConnell at the White House last night. He stepped up the microphone, said a few words about the uh, confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh. Let's, uh, let's go to... Uh, what do you uh, say? Mitch Bob? McConnell last night. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. No, this is a... This is a turtle having sex with a shoe. This is not what well, sounds like McConnell a little bit. I it looks like it. <laughs> All right. I see a similarity. <laughs> I love that sound. Uh, okay. So, uh, we're, by the way, we're going to get to the Civil War discussion during the postmortem show. So, if you want to listen to okay. our Civil War discussion and what I have to say about all that crap, uh, make sure to uh, go to our Patreon page and subscribe so you can listen to the postmortem show. We just keep talking after the end music plays. Once we're the, the end right. theme finishes playing, we just keep talking and we go on for another 10, 15 minutes, and that's the postmortem show. So, you want to go and listen to that if you subscribe at our Patreon page and, and you can have lots of fun with our uh, bonus content over there. Okay. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap up with this. We're going to, we're going to play this audio. This is about Ah, eight minutes long. It's, it's, it's a little on the long side, but what we're going to do is we're going to play this and then we're going to come back and wrap up the show. We're going to start the, uh, the end theme, uh, right as we finish with this Trevor Noah monologue, because I, I, it's so seldom that I actually do this where I play from beginning to end a piece of audio. Uh, but I think this is important enough that we get this in because the more people hear it. I think the message will get out more and more. It's just play obvious. It to, play it to the label, Bob. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, perfect way to put it. Here's Trevor Noah uh, from The Daily Show the other day talking about Trump and Me Too and male victimhood. For me, I feel like there is a larger narrative that goes beyond him being on the Supreme Court for a lifetime, and that is the conversation and the journey that Trump in particular has started around this. You know, because I, I don't know if you saw that, uh, that rally that he hosted where he came out and he mocked um, Dr. Ford. I, I don't know if you saw the, the little press conference moment he gave outside the White House where he, where he talked about men. And he said, you know, it's a really scary time to be a man right now. Really scary time for men. Worst time ever to be a man. And then someone asked, you know, he said, uh, you can be accused of something you didn't do and your life is over. That's it. Your life is over. And then they asked him later, they said, what about, what about women? What, what is it for them? And he was like, it's a great, women are doing great. <laughs> and you know what I realized in, in that moment? Just, just looking at the sentiment and the message that, that Trump was conveying. It's a really powerful thing that I, I, I think people take for granted. And that is, for me personally, I find Trump's most powerful tool is that he knows how to wield victimhood. He knows how to offer victimhood to people who have the least claim to it, which is a really, really powerful tool. Because you realize what he's doing in that moment is he's saying the real victims of the Me Too movement are men. They're the real victims. 
Someone can accuse you at any time and your life is over. They're the real victims. And, you know, if, you, if you're against Trump completely or if you see through it, you go like, oh, that's nothing. But I, I think people take for granted how powerful that message was. There are a lot of men who that message will connect with because that's a feeling that many men have. There's many men who will be afraid to admit it, maybe. But there's many men who do have that feeling where they're like, yeah, I mean, this, this Me Too movement, it's, it's gotten out of control. You know, and at any time, someone can come out and accuse me. And, and I always go to people, I'm like, what do you mean it's gotten out of control? What does that mean? You know, and they'd be like, well, every week it's a, a new famous person has been accused and it's, 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 it's out of control. I'm like, we look through it. It's maybe, maybe what, a hundred and something people? That's, that's how many people have, have been me-tooed? That's how many people have been held accountable? A hundred and something? That's, that's not like a life-changing number of men. Do you know what I mean? They make it sound like all men have been accused, right? But 99.9% .9 of men have not been accused. It's just the, the, the narrative that has been created is that like, oh, these, these 100 men represent all the men and all men should be afraid of it. But 100 men, you could fit 100 men into a comedy club and then Louis C.K. could come and surprise them. That's how few <laughs> that number is. Like, it's not that many people. But they make it feel like it's a lot of people because then what they do is they create an idea that all men need to band together to stop this from happening because it could happen to you. Right? And then men become the victims. And it's such a powerful tool to use. Because if you can convince men that they're the true victims of the Me Too movement, you get men to fight against the movement that's really about holding men who are doing bad things accountable, as opposed to making all men scapegoats for something that they're not doing. But it, it's, you, 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 you get what I'm saying? It's, like, it's, such, a, it's such a powerful, gripping idea that, that, that Trump does really well. Because when you think about it, you go, they, I know that people will be like, but what about, I've seen men who've been falsely accused. And I go, yeah, but how many? Or let me ask it to you this way. How many men, percentage-wise, have been falsely accused of a sexual assault? And how many women have actually been sexually assaulted? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm willing to bet in this room as we sit here now, if I said to the men, how many have been accused of sexual assault, there'd probably be nobody in this room who has. But if I said to the women in this room, raise your hand if you've been catcalled or your ass has been grabbed or a guy's made a lewd comment at work or somebody's made you feel unsafe sexually in some way or you've actually been sexually assaulted, I regret to say that there would probably be many hands that would go up in the room. But we have now been told that the ratio is like, oh no, it's more men, it's men, men. But it's, the truth is it's women. Women are the victims in the situation. It doesn't mean you've got to be feeling sorry for women, but it's like, no, but the women are the victims and that's what we're trying to fix, right? But Trump has managed to turn that and he's turned it with everybody. He goes... The real victims in, in this story is, is, is not the kids in the cages, it's you. It's you who they're, they're coming to take your place. You know, the, the real victim isn't the, the, the refugee from Syria, it's you who's going to get blown up by a terrorist bomb. That's the real victim in the story. I saw the same thing in South Africa. We had apartheid. At the end of apartheid, the country was changing. And then you had tons of white people who were like, oh, I'm afraid now, what's, what's going to happen to me? Huh? I, the black people are going to eat us. <laughs> We're in danger. They're going to come for us. Oh, my God. I'm the real victim. I'm the real victim. It's like, well, when, wait, how did you go from being the person in power to becoming the victim overnight? And it's a powerful people that, you know, it's a powerful tool that people use repeatedly, like over and over. It's like it's a, it's a tool that Trump wields. He's doing it with men. He's done it with, with white people in America. He's done it with Kavanaugh now. The guy's heading to the Supreme Court. But he's making it like, this poor man. Look at him, this poor man. What's the worst that could happen to Brett Kavanaugh? What's the worst thing that could happen? Is he'd go back to being a federal judge on one of the most important courts in the land. That's what he goes down to if he fails. What's the worst thing that happens to Dr. Ford? She gets mocked by the President of the United States 
for coming forward with a story about sexual assault, which, by the way, was the one thing she said she definitely remembered from that night. Mm. She said, I remember the boys laughing at me. That's what she said. And people go, why don't women come forward? Because when you do, the president of the United States will use you as a punchline in front of a crowd. And people always go like, yeah, but women have an incentive. They're doing it for the, for the fame. What are the names of Cosby's accusers? What's the money? What money did they get? What fame? Do they have reality shows? Where are these people? Do you even know them? Would you recognize them in the street? What fame do they get? Ford is going to come and go. Kavanaugh's here forever. And people make it seem like there's some incentive. And I, I, that's why I say what Trump is saying about victimhood is so powerful because I know that even myself, I have to combat the feeling that I as a man have because I go, what if I get falsely accused? And I go like, yeah, but you've been tricked. You're not going to get falsely accused. Like it's, it's not happening as rampantly as people make it out to be. But if you can convince people that they are in fact the victims when they're the, from a position of power, you have the most powerful tool that you can wield. And the irony is, oftentimes, those people who are in those positions want the people who are genuinely the closest to victimhood to relinquish their victimhood to, to join their team. You know, so if you're a woman that rolls with Trump and the Republicans, you've got to be like, I've had my ass scrapped, and you know what? It doesn't matter. You've got to move past it because I'm not a victim. You want to be a black person lower rolling with trunk, you gotta be like, black people aren't oppressed. That's right. I'm free. That's right. I wear a MAGA hat and I release hits. I'm free. You gotta you gotta act like it's not happening. And it's a scary, powerful tool that people take for granted. People felt because of Trump like they were losing their country. They felt like America was losing. And feeling is oftentimes more powerful than what's actually happening. And that's a thing that I think people take for granted with Donald Trump. For me, it's his greatest gift, it's his greatest danger. And I, like, I'm heartbroken at what happens to Dr. Ford. Not because it, it, you know, it didn't go the way I would have maybe wanted it to, but rather because her life, and her image, her as a human being has been trodden on and destroyed by the President of the United States as he goes from rally to rally and people are like, yeah, it's a partisan thing. And you're like, well, you know, kudos to you, Trump. One of the richest people in the world. And he's like, we're losing folks. The game is rigged. And it's like, how, how are you losing, Trump? You're a billionaire. You're a billionaire when you're eight years old. How are you losing? How, how are you losing? I, I just feel it. I just feel it. Yep. Yep, there it is. Trevor yeah, Noah. Every- Every word of that ad-libbed. Uh, there's no, no notes, no script. Nope. Uh, he often talks to the audience uh, between shows and uh, during commercial breaks, and uh, this just demonstrates what a brilliant mind he has. Just so impressive. And, of course, the, the most insightful, the most salient section of that is describing how people who don't have any right to victimhood mm-hmm. are feeling like the victims. And when we talk about grievances of the red hats and so on, that's exactly what we're talking about. These are people who have all the privilege in the world, and yet they feel like the system is rigged against them, that they're the, they the, the, uh, the, the unheard men and women of the United they are, States. They are afraid, and they are encouraged to be afraid. One nation yeah. under fear. Yeah, there you go. Exactly right. So, uh, wow. And, and again, I will admit when I'm wrong, and I was admittedly wrong about Trevor Noah. If that's the kind of uh, debate that he's escalating... On his show, we're better off for it. We're much better off for it. 
Yeah, go. If you're in New York, seriously, go see that show. I saw it when John Stewart was doing it. Yeah. And I, this is maybe even more interesting and entertaining. Okay, so we got lots to co- lots to go on the uh, postmortem show. Lots of things we need to get to on the free show here that we're going to push over into the postmortem show today. Uh, among those things, <laughs> if you've ever tried to call one of your grandparents, or if you have elderly parents and you've tried to get them on the phone or on a Skype call or something like that, you're oh going to appreciate this piece of audio. It's shitty grandpa Donald Trump calling Janine Pirro last night on her show. <laughs> this is funny as. Fuck audio. You have to hear it. Plus, uh, we've got a, a little song parody for you uh, from oh, someone my. named Lindsay Lab. She did something called a Scary Time for Boys. It actually connects ah, very well to... Yes, uh, this is great. Yeah. So we're going to play that on the Postmortem Show coming up and a lot more. Make sure to go to our Patreon page at bobseska.com, through bobseska.com, and you can sign up over there. Also, make sure to subscribe to Buzz Burbank News and Comment on iTunes, also at buzzburbank.com and realmnetwork.com you can also find them on soundcloud and stitcher radio free yep there you go postmortem show coming up next folks if not uh see you tomorrow with tom nichols on the interview show take care bye-bye